You're listening to TIP. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this Wednesday's release of the podcast where we're talking about Bitcoin. Today's guest is the one and only Plan B. For anyone in the Bitcoin space, they obviously know who he is. But if you're new to Bitcoin and you're just learning, he's the guy that developed the stock to flow model and a couple other price models that have been closely followed and hotly debated amongst many of the followers in the space. During the show today, we have a candid conversation about how that model might eventually break down. We talk about the macro economy and we review the big sell off that happened during the summer and much, much more. So without further delay, here's my conversation with the one and only Plan B. You're listening to Bitcoin Fundamentals by the Investors Podcast Network. Now for your host, Preston Pish. Hey, so like I said in the introduction, uh, I'm here with Plan B. Wow, great to have you back on the show. I love these conversations. Uh, excited to get into it. Thank you, Preston. Thanks for having me. And uh, are you sure you still want to have me? Because uh, <laughs> my words are deemed uh, dangerous and harmful and even illegal. Oh, my Lord. Yeah, Pomp looked like he had a little bit of a pucker factor there going on. <laughs> Luckily, it all got restored pretty fast. But Yeah. Have you heard anything on what happened through all that? Or is it just kind of a mystery as to how his account got deplatformed there for a few hours? He has a very nice video and breakdown uh, about that because oh, does uh, he? Yeah, yeah, and that's it's must listen. Actually, he speaks very well about how the ease at which one employee of YouTube or any other platform can cancel someone, right? And he has one million followers, so he can make a lot of noise. But there's thousands of people that cannot do that, and, and those are canceled as well. And and they're just losing their life's work oh, and, yeah. and all their there are revenue streams. It's, it's a scary thought. And uh, it happened to us uh, yesterday or, or the day before that. But it's very interesting how the communication with YouTube went. Because YouTube uh, first said, well, things are being said that are dangerous and harmful. And those are illegal uh, activities and blah, blah, blah. It was something about the content and basically something that I said, probably. Hey, so the thing I wanted to start off with was just the overall global economy. You have such great thoughts that I know the, the times that we've talked in the past, that's probably the part that I really enjoy talking to you most is just really kind of traditional markets and the macro that's happening. So right now, what would you say is your overview of the bigger global themes or trends that you're, that you're tracking in just the global economy? I track those, of course, very well. And it's, it has to do with my... Um lifelong employment as, a, as an institutional investor. So I have a look at markets, I follow them, and, and the way I look at them is not, not very, for non-institutional investors, it's different. So I, I understand that people like to hear those thoughts. But what I see, it's really interesting time we're living in. Lots of things are happening, big things. And well, one of the things, of course, is, is the uh, quantitative easing, the, the printing of money, the stuff that's happening in the US with the uh, $3.5 trillion uh, bills that are introduced and the money that's, that's needed for that. And the world is drowning in money. Every time there is a new problem in the social aspect, could be COVID relief, in the banking sector, in, in some other sectors, the only solution seems to be money printing. And if that were the solution, of course, Venezuela and Zimbabwe would be the richest countries in the world. 
it is not the, the solution. It will make the problem worse. But what we see, of course, as a consequence is lower interest rates. The negative interest rates in Europe persist, so uh, even go down a little. So that is an unheard of situation. We, we've never seen that a couple of years ago. And we've seen asset prices rising and rising and rising. I don't know how it is in the US, but in, in my country, the Netherlands, also other countries in Europe, the, housing, the, the rising housing prices are really getting problematic. It's nice if you're the owner of a house because you, you can uh, almost stop working and, uh, and just refinance the house every year with the uh, increase in value. Yeah. yeah, you are getting to that point. And we're seeing the same thing here in the U.S. with the housing prices. It's just going berserk. Yeah, and people that, that don't have the money or to start capital, and that's most more and more people, they can't buy a house. They have to rent a house, but rents are going through the roof. It, it's such so that, that people cannot get away from their parents' uh, houses and, and get into big troubles with their finances because the houses are so, so high. And now they're, they're all uh, making measures in the tax sphere, so taxing house owners, etc., as if that were the problem. No, the problem is the money printing, and all that money has to go somewhere. Equities, real estate, Bitcoin, gold, well, the asset, the asset inflation. And now that yeah. asset inflation is, of course, spilling over in uh, consumer prices, uh, energy prices first, of course, and it will go down to core inflation as well. Core inflation is the inflation basket without the uh, energy prices, because that's the volatile component in the inflation index. And the core inflation is what central banks are tracking. That will go up. That's the last, last thing that's going up. But yeah, everything is going up. I mean, must be different in the US as well, but in Europe, so winter is coming, right? So heating prices, oil, gas, electricity, double at the moment. So households are, are going to pay double the gas and electricity prices next year, and that will certainly cause problems. And it's, it's very interesting. And then if we look geopolitical, it's very interesting what's going on with China and US at the moment. I think it's Evergrande thing in China with the real estate debacle uh, going on there. The uh, US bashing China, it's all started with the tariffs, of course, the uh, trade tariffs under Trump, but it, it goes on and on. And China, of course, looking at Taiwan now after it took Hong Kong. Those are big movements. And the South Sea uh, situation militarily, it's all very, very volatile and very... Um, you need one match to light the whole thing uh, up. And it's uh, scary in, in a way. New people that are maybe just coming into the space would hear that and they would say, well, I'm playing the contrarian here. And I know you're going to knock this question out of the ballpark, but I think it's important for education purposes for people. So a person would be hearing all that and they'd say, well, you know, you just had a global pandemic. They had to print all this money and this is just kind of a spike. And then you're going to have like they're not going to have they're not going to be printing 4.5 trillion in the coming years like they did for I think that was the number that you said for covid so some of this stuff will start to normalize it just needs more time you see these banks that the, the the big time banks I think it was JP Morgan come out and say oh the supply chain issue is going to be resolved here in 6 months from now why is that wrong in your opinion first from a logical point of view if printing money was the solution for these problems, then like I said, Zimbabwe would be the richest country in the world and every country would be doing it. And of course, that's, that's not true. And through the ages as well, uh, the Roman Empire died part of because uh, the debasement of the currency, the printing of the money, the 
well, it was the denarius at, at the time. So the silver content was diminished from 90% to 0%. And, and that caused big, big troubles because nobody accepted that money anymore because it was like monopoly money. So that's one. But on the other hand, the debt that the US is creating to keep the dollar going, to keep the government going, to keep everything going, and the same in Europe, by the way, but the US, of course, the uh, reserve currency, that debt is someone else's asset. The asset can be in the pension um, fund. It can be... Um, well, uh, most of uh, U.S. debt, by the way, is, is owned by China, right? So that China is making all this stuff for the, for the world, for the U.S., earning a lot of money, but then parking that money in the treasury bonds, so in the, the debt of the, the U.S. government. And that, that debt, of course, and we all know that, right? All institutional investors know U.S. debt will never, ever be paid off. We all know that. But we also know it, there will be new debt, there will be an extra credit card, if you will, to pay off the old credit card. And as long as that goes on, that's all, that's all fine. But it cannot go on. It requires rates to keep going down. If you would increase interest rate right now, the debt would be, yeah, unserviceable. The US could not pay the debt of when interest rises with the current tax uh, income. So it's unsustainable. They have to keep rates low and, and keep decreasing them or the whole house of cards will fall down. And of course, China sees that as well. Because imagine that you have all this, this US debt and you see that the debt is printing its own money and you know it will be worthless one day. So what will you do? You'll spend it like a madman. And you see them doing that. They buy every gold mine, every scarce commodity mine in Africa. They buy all the harbors in the Middle East, in, the, in Europe even. They buy everything with the US dollars that, that they have except more U.S. debt, of course. And that's a smart thing. So by printing and printing more, the U.S. is actually making China stronger and stronger every day. I'm sure the, the military thinkers and geopolitical thinkers will see that, but there is no alternative. So they, they have to keep doing it. And well, Europe is in the middle. We're watching it happen. It's a crazy movie we're watching. So when we think about your statement there, that they have to keep doing this, is most of it because you got into the government reasons of why they can't allow interest rates to go up because then you know it's not serviceable. But even at the individual level, if interest rates on home prices go from three to four and a half percent, like you have just obliterated your common person where most of their net worth, you go to your typical person, I don't care if it's an American or somebody over in Europe, anywhere in the world, if you raise their interest rate for home prices by 100 basis points or 200 basis points, all of a sudden, I mean, they're just, they're getting murdered if they're trying to move into a new house. So is it the net worth of the individual being tied up, so much of it being tied up in the value of their house and that basically being their net worth that interest rates just cannot afford to go up in any type of meaningful way for any type of meaningful amount of time? Well, I think it's two things. It has to do with that. If you make that broader, the wealth effect, the Federal Reserve is always talking about the wealth effect with households. And yeah. of course, the house is the biggest asset mostly, but the, the more well-to-do people, of course, also have the equities portfolios. If you raise interest rates, everything of value will be discounted. Discounting there's higher interest rates and uh, the value goes down. So a very easy way for the US central bank to, uh, to play this wealth effect and to make US households think that they're rich and can spend in the economy is to decrease interest rates 
and increase all the asset prices, the houses, the real estate portfolio, uh, the equity portfolios and bond portfolios. And people feel well, wealthy and buy stuff and the economy keeps going. Of course, that's the other way around. When you raise interest rates, everything goes down. It will crash the, the stock market for sure. It will mathematically and by definition take the bond prices down. So portfolios, pension funds, everything will, will go down and, and real estate indeed too. But I think the more direct thing is the US government itself. It needs the money to pay its employees. I don't know the exact number, but it's very high. The number of people in, um, in the US that are paid by the government is about 60, 70%. 70%, seven out of 10 people are paid by the US government. That's a lot of money. If they don't have the money, if they don't print the money, because they are no, nothing, then that all stops, right? With the whole story with the debt ceiling. So they just raise the debt and, and adapt debt ceiling and can print more money again. But who's going to pay that? The world right now is okay with that. But there will be a point, and the Roman Empire crossed that point. There will be a point that people do not accept the US dollar anymore. Well, and I think it's even beyond just the US dollar. I mean, this is a global phenomenon. I'm looking at a post by a guy this morning out of Germany, and he's talking about the ECB pours more fuel on, on the inflation fire with its bond purchases. ECB balance sheet rose by another $25 billion to hit a fresh all-time high of $8.3 trillion ECB total assets, now equating to 77% of Euro, Eurozone GDP versus the Fed's 37%. Like They're all in trouble. They're all doing this. It's a, and I think this is where so many of the history books are hard for people to do a parody to what we're seeing today is you had mentioned Zimbabwe, right? Those scenarios in the past were these one-off domestic one nation state type hyperinflation event and not anything that's ever happened globally, collectively all at the same time. And I think that we're seeing the latter. And if it's all happening to everybody simultaneously, it's really hard to see because it's, it's almost like you're in a car going down the highway going 70 miles an hour and you look to your right, you can't see any backdrop, right? All you can see is the car next to you and it's going 70 miles an hour and it appears that neither one of you are moving. Every car we're looking at is like, oh, it's just standing still because we're not seeing any type of backdrop. But Bitcoin's yeah. the backdrop, right? Yeah, Bitcoin, real estate, all the hard assets. Yeah, I fully agree with you. This is what is going on. And, and this can go on and on gradually, you know, central banks. <laughs> the cars are going faster. Faster like, and we're faster. We're going 150 yeah. now down the highway. Yeah, 160, <laughs> 170. But, then, but this can end very abruptly. If we look back in history, this can end in a year or two years. It's all gone. Because right now, some people see this. The Chinese see this. And they're hedging. They're buying hard stuff. They're buying commodity mines, gold mines, cobalt mines, lithium. They're buying harbors. They're buying infrastructure, geopolitical important infrastructure. Investors like you and me buy real estate, Bitcoin, of course, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> buy the goods. That's what, that's what the governments are telling us. Buy the goods. And, and that's why high, uh, real estate and housing prices are rising as well. So people see this. People are hedging and more and more. And then comes the, the point of no return because it's a very slippery slope. When it goes, it goes. I've seen it so many times in my career, for example, with the introduction of the euro as well. The reason why the UK is not, was not in the euro, and by the way, they're out of the U European Union as well now, of course, after the Brexit, but they were not in the euro because they were pushed out of the bans that they had to make to be allowed to enter 
because they were pushed out by, by Soros first, the investor, and all the other investors that saw that England or the UK was not able to meet the criteria. If it's fundamentally wrong, they just push it and push it and they lever it and they, they push it out. And then that's the same thing as right now that people with, they don't accept negative interest rates. They start looking for other stuff, other stores of value, if you will. And the same with us. We Bitcoin investors for a reason. And even further, I mean, Satoshi Nakamoto saw this, right? He, the debasement by central banks and the solution, Bitcoin was made as a solution for debasement. He was very, very clear about it. So it's going to happen. And it's, I think it will be going faster. The crumbling of the empire and, and the, uh, the money that we're using today, it will go, the final decline will go faster than we think. And uh, I got a question on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought so. You know where I'm going with this, right? Yeah. <laughs> so based on that comment, your model fails, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's true. Adam Beck had a very nice tweet about that. Not the tweet from about that stock to FOMO model. Oh, I want to talk about that. No, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah, but, I'm dead serious. Yeah. I like that. But the, the one earlier about where he compared it with the Asimov trilogy, the foundation trilogy written by Asimov. Fantastic story. Fantastic. Must read books. And yes, you could say the stock to flow will be killed by when the dollar falls. You could also say that the stock to flow model is actually predicting the fall of the US dollar. And, and it gives a time frame as well for that. Because the stock to flow model uses the Bitcoin price denominated in dollars. So as we all do, right? I mean, the Bitcoin price is in dollars. But it's also making an assumption that you won't have a contagion of fear on the dollar or whatever fiat currency, right? I think that's a little different. I think it's not making that assumption explicitly, of course, maybe implicitly, but I think it's like this. And that's why I like the stock to flow X model more than the stock to flow model. If we look at the stores of value that in this weird macroeconomic environment we're living in right now with negative interest rates and quantitative easing going through the roof, if we look at that, the stores of value that are available, then real estate is the biggest one. It's about 100 trillion US dollars globally. It's stock to flow is about 100. And it's the number one store of value that, that people around me, at least, use as a store to put their value in. They just buy extra houses and rent them or Airbnb them or whatever. So that's number one. The, the second store of value, of course, is gold with the stock to flow of 60 and a value of 10 trillion US dollars. And there's, of course, equities and bonds all, all in the 100 trillion uh, range. But if we look at the stock to flow X model for Bitcoin, Bitcoin is 55 now, stock to flow ratio, and the value is a, a, around 1 trillion. So it's much smaller than real estate. It's much smaller than, than gold still. But the good thing about that stock to flow X model is that we do not have to extrapolate like all the other models, extrapolate into the future that we do not know. No, the stock to flow X model is stock to flow ratio on the X axis and value on the Y axis. There is no time element. It's not a time series. It's just gold, real estate, Bitcoin, silver, and diamonds. And we can interpolate that model. So we we know what a stock to flow 100 asset is, is valued at. It's the real estate market. We know what a 60 stock to flow ratio value asset is valued at. It's, that's $10 trillion. That's gold. So I think that hyper Bitcoinization scenario that we were talking about, breaking the model is after that stock to flow 100 ratio. 
So in my, in my point of view, the dollar will die, the empire will crumble after stock to flow 100 for Bitcoin. That's sort of where it all goes wrong. And where, well, the model fails, but maybe the denominator of all valuable things fails. We have to replace the dollar by, I don't know, gold, Bitcoin maybe, or something else. Maybe there's a new world uh, reserve currency at that time, like the SDR. You can't believe that. Well, they're working on it, right? <laughs> they're trying. That's the alternative. I mean, I it requires that. trust. I mean, there's, I don't see how that could... I mean, I'm with you. It's, a, it's an option. But I think when the world's comparing it to something that does not require any type of trust, that is just being supplied in such a decentralized kind of way, I, I don't know how somebody would choose that over what we're describing there. Well, that, but, but that's the big battle we're seeing at the moment. The big yeah. battle is between math and, and thermodynamic certainties. Bitcoin, if you will, the, the best money ever, yeah. theoretically and mathematically, and the powers that be, right? That, that want to protect what they have because they're going to lose it all, right? <laughs> or, yeah. or a lot of it. So yeah, it's a political power game with the most powerful countries and armies in the world and central banks against a mathematical, physical, thermodynamical optimal solution. So yeah, I don't know who wins, but it sounds like the church at the time saying the earth was flat and some, some weird mathematicians saying uh, the earth is round. And in the end, of course, the optimal solution wins. The truth wins, but it can be a lot of war and nasty times in between. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Today's episode is sponsored by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover leads by example with their dynamic design that rises to the occasion. It's got powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capabilities coupled with signature Range Rover refinement. The third-generation Range Rover Sport is the most desirable, advanced, and dynamically capable one yet, redefining sporting luxury. It's got advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification offering next-level comfort and refinement. The purposeful cockpit light driving position sets the tone for a focused interior that promotes exhilarating driver engagement. Award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. You can enjoy a dynamic drive in total comfort with optional 22-way adjustable heated and ventilated electric memory front seats with massage function. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. Have you ever wondered if there's an AI tool like ChatGBT specifically built for the stock market? A tool that not only aids you in your research and analysis process, but also allows for dynamic discussions? Today, I want to share such a tool with you called Meka. Meka is an AI-powered stock research assistant now enhanced with real-time stock data. Meka does a lot of the heavy lifting of sifting through financial statements and company data and delivers it to you nearly instantaneously and the best part is that it's 100% free. Try it out today and ask Meka questions like what is the financial health of Microsoft? How much cash does Copart hold on its balance sheet? What is the return on invested capital of Adobe or millions of other prompts? Check it out today for free at Meka.com. That's M-E-Y-K-A.com. The Holy Grail of Investing, the new book by Tony Robbins and co-written by investing legend Christopher Zook, reveals the secrets of alternative investments like private equity, venture capital, energy, real estate, sports franchises, and more. 
It features exclusive insights from investing titans who collectively manage more than $500 billion, including Robert F. Smith, Vinod Kosla, Michael B. Kim, and many others. In the holy grail of investing, you'll discover how to take advantage of the trillions flowing into private equity by becoming an owner of firms that actually manage the assets and share in the revenue they generate, how to take advantage of the two to three times higher returns of private credit as an alternative or complement to bonds, how to invest in the energy evolution and ride the wave of trillions in global investments, how investments in private real estate can work as an inflationary hedge and source of tax-efficient income, and how many of the world's greatest investors thrive in both good times and bad. The Holy Grail of Investing by Tony Robbins is available now wherever books are sold. All right, back to the show. The one thing that I would push back on, or I don't even know if I'm pushing back, but when you're comparing all these different stock to flow levels, like you were talking about real estate is, is whatever the number was, and then you're comparing it to gold, and then you're talking, well, Bitcoin will eventually be at this stock to flow at this point in time based on what the math is, is showing us, right? The thing that I don't think is a comparison when you're saying Bitcoin compared to real estate, real estate is not fungible in a way that you can take ownership of that real estate, like physically take ownership of that real estate in a fungible kind of way and in a in a way where you're getting small units that you can then go spend at a, at a Starbucks to buy coffee. And I think that difference that we're talking about a currency or something that performs like a currency, but is actual like gold in your pocket that you can spend like currency, I think puts a different level of adoption and demand for adoption than you would see with owning real estate. Like as we're going through this transition, you were describing it earlier with China, they're buying anything that has scarcity to it as soon as they can with the dollars they're receiving because of it's going to retain their buying power as whatever this thing is that's transitioning takes place. And on the other side, that buying power is still going to be there for whatever the scarce thing is that they, that they purchased. This goes for anybody on the individual level, country level, whatever. But I, I really think that we're going to eventually get to a point where there's going to be so much demand for people to store their buying power in this thing that is everything and is nothing. <laughs> and whether the stock to flow is, is slightly above real estate or slightly above gold, I think you're just going to get to a point where there's just total FOMO of, I can't. I can't store $10 billion worth of buying power in this bond anymore as it's yielding negative whatever percent. Like I just see that whole fixed income, $200, $300 trillion worth of buying power today just evaporating and getting sucked in like a black hole. And it's just going to send, it's going to send the curve yeah. just in a parabolic kind of direction. I agree. I fully agree. Real estate is not fungible and it's not portable either. either. Yeah, so yeah. on all those dimensions, Bitcoin is the better money. On the other hand, the only thing where we defer, I guess, is, is the timing of the events. So yes, the dollar will die. I mean, every reserve currency yeah. dies, right? It's a certainty. So there will be something new, something better. But when is that happening? It's the same, same question as the super cycle. Are we yeah. entering the super cycle now or later? I think we're, the super cycle will be there. It's inevitable, but not now. I think there is, it will happen after next halving, if you will, after the stock to flow of Bitcoins will be higher than gold and higher than real estate. Because 
until that point of a stock to flow of 100, real estate will, for whatever reason, be the preferred asset as we're seeing right now. I'm seeing around me people put more money in real estate, like hundreds of millions. BlackRock, for example, is buying the entire city of Amsterdam because those companies and the money right now is with old people. The real estate and the gold, the physical world and not the digital world. The digital scarcity is a next generation thing. So I think it will happen. But I also see in my own model that there is a linear relationship between scarcity and value. And I agree that is one of the uh, dimensions of money. Fungibility is the other one. Portability is another one. Divisibility is another one. That's also very uh, problematic with houses, divisibility. But um, scarcity is, the, in my view, the most important factor causing that linear relationship and causing people to put more money in, in, in real estate. Now, that will change once next to divisibility, fungibility, portability, also the scarcity of Bitcoin will be better than real estate. So my guess would be, <laughs> we're probably going into that question uh, right now, but so are we going into this, this FOMO hyperbolic uh, scenario right now or next year or the year after, or are we going to drop 80% first, have a, a big war with the powers that be, the central banks, the US dollar, et cetera, et cetera, and go into that, that hyperbolic scenario or, or a US dollar scenario, if you will, where Bitcoin is the best store of value after the next halving. So say 2024, 28, that would be the period, or maybe a little bit after that. Let's say somewhere between 2024 and 2032. Yes, I think we both agree there will be this hyperbolic scenario. Bitcoin will be by far the best asset physically, dynamically, mathematically, above all other. But the powers that be with the largest armies, the biggest balance sheets, and all the political power, they will fight. They will fight till the death. When you're saying that, I don't know that that's what we've seen though to date. Like It's kind of interesting. And I've been a little bit surprised by the reaction that we've seen in the last six months for proof of work specifically. I was expecting a bigger battle on that front. And we're not seeing it, especially here in the States. Like it's actually, there's some states that are very pro proof of work, bring your mining rigs here and start harvesting yeah. as much of this energy as you want kind of activities. Well, and it's, it's kind of surprised me quite a bit. Yeah, me too. And that was hopeful, but it was a big battle, right? I mean, China banning all mining, Amazing. the network losing 50%. And, and the value, by the way, right? The value of Bitcoin losing 50%. We went from over 60K to under 30K in a month. So people that think we cannot see another minus 80% crash, think again, because we just had a minus 50% crash caused by a very tiny little battle. This was the full-scale war of, yeah. of countries uh, coordinating. This was just China uh, doing its thing again. Yeah, well, China is now played out. It's not a factor anymore because they gave up their, their most uh, strategic asset. I just uh, saw today, literally this, right before we started recording this, that the United States now has the most hash rate of any country in the world. And I think it's around 35% or something like that of the, of the hash rates now in the United States. Yeah, I saw that too. And like you said, there's, there's some very innovative and, and forward-thinking states in the, in the U.S. There's also some very uh, backward-thinking and dumb states in the U.S., uh, but <laughs> It's so very true. So true. <laughs> it's almost like there will be a new revolution or what is that? A uh, civil war, but not the North and South. 
the east and west coast versus the uh, center or something. It's very interesting to see that diversity in states in the U.S. And how about in Europe, as far as mining goes and proof of work, acceptance of that politically? Europe is under the regime of the central banks. So uh, the European Central Bank, Legada now, and, and, and the presidents before that, they are very, very much against Bitcoin and discouraging uh, banks and ins- institutional investors from, from uh, investing in it. They're uh, punishing it with severe capital regimes. You have to hold capital one-to-one for each Bitcoin investment. And they're pushing it in the, the criminal uh, corner, right? They're, they're anti-money laundering, know your customer. They're trying to kill it. On the capitalization piece there, the one-to-one, yeah. I listened to an interview with Caitlin Long, and she was like, because it clears so fast relative to the legacy system, which you know adjudicates the books at nighttime each day, a one-to-one ratio is, in her opinion, she actually thought it was warranted. In fact, she thought maybe may even require more than that because the because there's not some type of stable coin that immediately clears next to it. So there's these these banks that have this on their books and they're not capitalized in a, in a manner that they that they've been de-ricked by not having enough you know capitalization behind it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's true. I mean, it's not an unfair point to make from the central banks at all, because yeah. uh, the implied volatility of, of uh, Bitcoin, of course, is 100%, around 100%, can be higher. So discouraging leverage, if you will, of a Bitcoin position, because that, that is, of course, what, what banks are doing normally. They have their, their pension money from other people or, or saving bank savings from other people that they put next to their, well, three, four or 5% of equity into all those assets. And you should not do that with Bitcoin because you, you will be wiped out and, and the money of your customers with it. So it's not an unfair point, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe there, there, there is hope, of course, and, and the truth will always win. The earth is round and not flat like the church used to, uh, to say. But there will be, I see a lot of pushback from well, the SEC kind of occasion now with Gary Gansler. But um, well, the, the infrastructure bill thing, the Senate, the Fed, Yellen, the Congress. I think there is a lot of voices that, of course, are bank subsidized voices, right? Those politicians, yeah, yeah. they are all captured or linked to uh, bank. Uh, for example, Yellen, the, the central bank, is uh, she gets a lot of money for speeches from from all the banks, and, and of course, she she's there for the banks. The central bank is for the banks. They will fight hard. That's that's what their mission is. So uh, yeah. There is hope, there are states, there is uh, the truth, of course, but there's also the powers that be. And uh, yeah, I'm prepared for that next battle. I really think we're going to see a high top first, because right now the scarcity is so enormously, the supply um, shortage, the lack of sellers on chain, right? Well, not on the exchanges, but it's so enormous and growing. This will come to a, to a point where the, uh, the all-time high will be, maybe somewhere next year. But after that, I, I expect the central banks and their governments and the banks to come in, knock it down again, minus 80%, after which there will be a new equilibrium that has to be found. And that might be, that might be the foundation for the, the new world, if you will, the Bitcoin world, the hyper-Bitcoinization. But that will be 2024, 2032, something around that period. I don't think that the argument is for these people that the stock to FOMO, I think it's the name of this is hilarious. I think for that crowd, I don't know that they're necessarily trying to say that that, if you even want to call it a model, is based on any type of mathematics or anything. 
I think all that they're putting out is that this thing ends with a hyperbolic push, right? The timing, who knows? It could be, like you said, the time frame that you threw out there. I don't think anybody's trying to model when the bend or the or the hyperbolic phase of it goes. I think all they're really saying, and maybe I'm mis I have no idea. I don't even know who's behind it. I don't think that they're trying to time it. I think they're just trying to say that this is how this ends. To be honest, I haven't taken a, a good look at it. <laughs> yeah, I interpreted it as a as a meme, as a joke to to bash your stock to flow. I don't see it as bashing it at all. I really don't. It's called stock to FOMO, and it and, and the only input there is time. It's a, basically a, a nonlinear time model. Yeah. Uh, so it has nothing to do with stock or two or or FOMO. It is a time model. You got to leverage the brand if you're going to yeah, get it yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> it also looks like my model a bit, right? With that colors, and it's it's like the rainbow model, but then uh, rebranded. I like this bashing and this <laughs> memeing, and but I don't take it too serious, right? I think there's a lot of merit to the idea that it is going to end that way, but who knows when the timing is? The timing could be faster than what either one of us really kind of expect, but who knows what the heck's going to happen? I mean, emotions can get crazy, and if you get a, a few whales that manage massive bond tranches or whatever, that really start this really starts to click for them as to where this is all going. Who knows what can take place? You, you have a couple more El Salvadors that enter the fold, and then you got every small country in the world that's been a victim of these policies for decades. I, I guess that's my next question for you, is at what price point do we see more El Salvadors enter the fold? Like, Is it $5 trillion market cap in Bitcoin that we start seeing five other nation states that say, hey, uh, we've got remittance problems here as well. I think we're going to do the exact same thing that appears to be working really well in El Salvador here in our country. That's a tough one. I don't know. Actually, it may amazes me that there's not a next El Salvador yet because the benefits are so obvious. And, oh and my of Lord. course, it takes a, crazy. a lot of courage right, to, to do it. But it's been done. Now there's a template. But compare El Salvador to MicroStrategy a lot, because uh, yeah, like you know, Michael Saylor, the CEO and owner of nobody um, else has done it, yeah, yeah. But he he has uh, like total full power over the company. Yeah, he doesn't have like like other big shareholders. Well, some of course, but he has the the voting right, so he can do it with his small company, right? Uh, Microsoft mm-hmm. is not a it's not Google, it's not Amazon, so he can do it, and and it's so it's it had to be a micro uh, strategy kind of company that went full Bitcoin and put Bitcoin on the balance sheet. And the same with El Salvador. I wouldn't expect the Netherlands, which is also small, by the way, or Europe or US to do it, but a small country with a leader that has almost all the power. Yeah, they can, they can do that. And like hedge funds, by the way, right? I mean, banks and, and pension funds are under the regime of the central banks. Hedge funds are, are much in a much looser regime because they they don't play with other people's money or not with the banking or pension money, but with uh, high risk money. So they, they, they can do it more easily or family office. They can go into Bitcoin, not banks, not, not pension funds easily. So yeah, I, I really expected another country to enter already. And maybe what we're seeing in Brazil, that's very interesting, right? Brazil is, I don't think it's legal tender like in, in El Salvador. My uh, Portuguese is not that well can't read the official stuff. But if that becomes legal, at least, and supported by the government, that's a big thing because Brazil has over 200 million population. So that's two thirds of, uh, of, of the US. It's a really big country. If they go, 
that's a big thing. Or Africa. Africa is another continent that would benefit hugely because they're under the regime of the IMF at the moment there. They, they got their the blood sucked out every day by the IMF, by more depth and depth and depth. So they could do the El Salvador thing. And I think Nigeria or some country, yeah, I think it was Nigeria is, is well on the way to do what El Salvador did. I mean, if the price runs to 100000 everyone in the world's going to be looking at El Salvador saying, maybe we should yeah. be doing what those guys are doing. Yeah, on the other end, hundred thousand. You can you can better do it now <laughs> at fifty thousand than later at hundred or, well, or no, two hundred thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly one of the things that I'm watching like a hawk. How, how these these the countries that are most suffering from IMF, how they are acting. Very interesting. Even more interesting than the ETF, maybe. So that was where I was going <laughs> next. So is that so. even important? Yeah, very important. It's very really? important. I think that that will, for us, it's it's like, well, you can Bitcoin now. Why would I do it for an ETF and pay yeah. the uh, one or 2% service fee? But for pops and moms and people that don't want to hassle I mean, with keys. Here in the US, you can already go out and buy GBTC. I mean, we, we know it's not the best vehicle, but it's <laughs> there for somebody if you've got a TD Ameritrade account or whatever. But like you say, it's, it's not the best vehicle. I think people with a lot of money, but maybe older people that don't have the digital know-how, and I think the whole key thing is a bit, bit scary, which it is. The old people will only put millions or tens of millions in some, some vehicle that's not, not as good as ETF. ETF is, it has, has like 24-hour prices or, or listed prices, right? And not end-of-the-day sort of uh, voodoo calculated prices. It's much more transparent and much more legal protection. ETF is, is really a thing. I think that would open the market for also a lot of banks and other companies to, to advertise and publish this investment to their wealth uh, client. Okay. So back to a comment we were talking about earlier about the May drop and China taking the hash power offline. Now that we can kind of look at this uh, like Monday morning, quarterback reviewing the tapes, was, was that drop really kind of induced by the, the big hashing migration or was there something else that you're seeing in the data or uh, information that you think was was important through that period of time that caused that what what do you think was the root cause interesting i think the china thing was the bigger thing because all those miners of course yeah and all those miners had to relocate to uh, the us or to uh, afghanistan or all the other countries around uh, china and that costs money to put the, the 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 miners in containers to fly them over to america that costs money. So they had to sell Bitcoins. And I think there was a lot of fear as well that China would go even further and not only mine, ban mining, but also possessing or trading Bitcoins. So the fear was, was high that uh, the government would ban further. And I guess some Chinese people, miners as well, were selling at that moment. So yeah, no, I think that that was... But the other thing, of course, there was this Elon Musk tweet thing uh, going on at the same time. Tons uh, of long leverage. That was the third thing I, I would yeah. like to mention. The leverage was enormous. It, and yeah. of course, Bitcoin is, if you leverage Bitcoin, if you leverage by Bitcoin, will be killed by the exchanges. Your position is known by the exchanges. You probably have a stop loss put in there to quote unquote protect yourself. But that same stop loss is visible to all the exchanges. It will kill you. They will push it through the stop loss levels and liquidate an entire group of, uh, of long uh, leverage longs or leverage shorts, and then the whole casino goes again. So 
Is there offices dedicated to that specific trade that you just described? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do it myself as well. It's, uh, you can see the, uh, the order books, right? You can buy the order book information from some exchanges. So, so you know where most people, and it's mostly around numbers. So they never put their stop loss at uh, 59.99. They always put it at uh, 60,000 or something. So yeah, those people get killed. Yeah, it's, it's a tragic thing, but yeah, that, that was going on as well during the crash in, what was it, May, June, and, um, and all those leverage longs, all those people that thought the hyper, uh, hyperbolic phase was already going on because Tesla was in and El Salvador was coming, all those people were killed. Of course, if you just bought Bitcoin spot price, a, gold, a captain in gold storage, you went through a minus 50% drop. But you're back about the same levels as, as was it, what it was uh, at that time right now, right? At 55 or where are we? So never, ever leverage your Bitcoin buys. That, that would be my, really my, my uh, advice. Not financial <laughs> advice, of course, but for the noobs, don't do it. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com WSB. That's fundrise.com WSB. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Today's show is sponsored by public.com. That's where you can earn 5.1% APY with a high-yield cash account. While we can't say for certain it's the highest interest rate there is, we can say this. It's a higher rate than Robinhood, a higher rate than SoFi, a higher rate than Ally, a way higher rate than Bank of America and Chase, a higher rate than Citi, Wells Fargo, Discover, and it's a higher rate than American Express too. So if you want to start earning 5.1% APY on your cash, check out public.com. We can't say it's the highest interest rate, but it's pretty damn up there. This is a paid endorsement for public investing. 5.1% APY as of March 26, 2024, and is subject to change. A high-yield cash account is a secondary brokerage account with public investing, member FINRA slash SIPC. Funds from this account are automatically deposited into partner banks where they earn a variable interest and are eligible for FDIC insurance. Neither public investing nor any of its affiliates is a bank. U.S. only. Learn more at public.com slash disclosures slash high dash yield dash account. As many of you know, I love studying businesses and networking with business owners. The more I've studied businesses, the more I've realized that starting and scaling your business is easier than ever because of companies like Shopify. Did you know that Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S.? Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Shopify even helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. What I personally love about Shopify is that it's the turnkey solution to kickstart and grow your business, and they are totally committed to giving you the necessary tools to succeed as a business owner. Plus, they have an award-winning customer support team there to help you every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash WSB. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash WSB now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash WSB. All right, back to the show. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So recently I've been, you know, I set up my own full node and I've been opening channels on Lightning, adding liquidity into the Lightning network. And just learning, like just (laughs) this process has been just amazing, just like seeing how it all works. And in the process of doing this and just opening these channels and then trying to strategically think about like, all right, should I open a channel to this node because they have a thousand channels that they're connected to? And then how much capacity or how how much Bitcoin should I lock in that channel strategically? And is there money to be made here in a fee kind of way? In the future, obviously not today, because the fees are just like if you're doing it for the fees today, you're you're doing it not for the right reasons. But when I'm thinking about this long term, and I think about more El Salvador's coming online and the transaction throughput that's going to be going through these rails in every direction, that velocity of money that would be going through these pipes could potentially be a risk-free rate in the future. I'm curious if you've opened any channels, because I know you run your own full node. Have you opened any channels? What are your thoughts on this idea of locking Bitcoin into channels for a price appreciation on layer one? What are your thoughts on the... I know this is like a three-part question, but what are your thoughts on this risk-free rate idea of the, the fees that would be collected on layer two lightning being that, becoming that standard someday? To be honest, I have not done much with Lightning to date. So I read the white paper, understood it. I think it's a great concept. It will work. But I tried to do a uh, Lightning wallet. I don't even know which one it was last year. I failed because that was with the, uh, there was this on Twitter that you could have, was it donations or something? People could donate some money and then pay bottle, bottle pay. I don't know. But it was in Lightning. And I thought, uh, well, there was a couple hundred bucks in there. I'll collect it, just see how, how that works. I never made it. I didn't succeed in, in doing it. So I guess it's a lot easier right now. Yeah, it's way easier yeah. if you have the right software. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, so it's probably right, like running a Bitcoin node, which is also it very is. easy, but once you know what to do. But no, I, I haven't found the time to do it. And yes, I, I'm running my own node and we're doing most of my time now is, is allocated to crunching that data and uh, searching for patterns and making algorithmic trading bots that scout the market for uh, quote-unquote arbitrage opportunities, statistical arbitrage, of course. But, and that's where most of my time is, is allocated at the moment, together with, uh, by the way, a, a great team of programmers and quants growing fast. And the opportunities are enormous. Even the cash and carry, which is low at the moment, gives you like 10% per year, which is phenomenal if you look at the, the minus uh, 1.5% in, uh, in Europe at the moment. So we're arbitraging those fiat Bitcoin. 
you're going after real yields. You're not. You, you don't want to talk about 0.001%. Nah. nah. <laughs> yields by opening channels on Lightning. And for people that are listening, those like the yields in, in opening channels on, on the Lightning Network. I'm doing it. I'm having a lot of fun. You're, you are not doing this for the money. At least today, you're not doing it for the money. I'm just curious whether you think that that could maybe mature into something in the, the, into oh, the sure. future. Yeah, I, I do. And I think Jack Mollers with uh, Strike is doing fantastic oh, stuff, it's right? It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's unreal. With you. And of course, there's the El Salvador connection as well. Strike is not yet available in Europe, so we're sort of uh, waiting, uh, waiting for that. I understand why he, he chooses to, to put other, other countries first on the list, by the way. But so, so I think that chapter is opening once, once uh, Strike is opened here and, and there's more shops accepting it, etc. Or maybe it's just the inertia in myself that I, I know how to do Bitcoin. I really have to learn, and I'm learning every day about the fiat Bitcoin arbitrage and, and on-chain stuff that is possible, which is a, an entire world. Uh, you can spend 24 hours a day there. So I haven't found the time, but I really do think that the level two stuff, and not only Lightning, by the way, also uh, Liquid and uh, the programming layer, the rootstock, is uh, very, very interesting and certainly next level stuff that, that Bitcoin needs. Stuff will happen there. But I guess, and I'll be very honest there, that takes new people like Jack Mahler's to uh, front run that. I don't see myself as having a role or having the expertise there to, uh, yeah, to lead that or bring that forward. I think other people have to rise and make that happen. This was a question that came from Twitter. I, I'm curious to hear your response. Would you ever reveal yourself? No, I don't think so. The, the insanity on Twitter has, has uh, conditioned yeah. you to realize that you don't ever want to do that, right? Well, it's funny because having a second virtual persona is really interesting because you can say things that you would normally not say. You're enjoying I'm, that. I'm really enjoying my jobs, institutional investor, and, and, and certainly in the structures finance area that I was in with a legal and economical background. It's like the, we're doing the wet works for, for the banks, the, the dirty stuff. And it's always in the shadows. It's always, it's not in the spotlights. So the, the board is saying this, but we're yeah, structuring deals, making uh, investments and through a lot of SPVs. And, and so I'm, I'm used to being in the dark, at working at night and, uh, and not be in the spotlights. And, uh, and now with, with the 100 trillion plan B thing, um, doing interviews like we're doing right now. Uh, channels are blocked because the stuff, the words that I'm saying are dangerous and harmful. People are, are getting mad because I said something. The whole online thing is both. You got Snoop Dogg following you. Snoop Dogg is following me, yeah, with his 20 million followers. It's, it's, there's actually 30 people following me with more than a million followers themselves. My reach is getting... It's getting crazy, actually. Uh, what did I do? It's only a, a model, a linear model, for Christ's sake. So, it's, uh, uh, well, I, I understand the institutional background brings some new new views, maybe interesting stuff. But but one million followers, come on, it's crazy. But I I like it. But it's I have to get used to it as well. So all the the compliment, the the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, that's that's all very very nice to hear. But but there's also a lot of uh, when the model goes wrong, it will go wrong. There will be a month that I miss. Uh, watch those, those same people, uh, well, not, not those, but, but other people take me down like nothing happened before. 
So I'm, I'm very aware of that. So I want to. If you don't have haters, you're not doing anything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, and then it's, that's okay, right? People not agreeing or even bashing and, and all the That's part of the online presence. But I, all the spammers, all the scammers, oh all my the impersonators. God. It is I, crazy. I mean, I get all those people that are scammed, right? They, they think because they're scammed because they think it's me. It's not me. And then they lose their money and they come complaining with me. So I get all those complainers and people that are scammed. It's not something I was prepared for. <laughs> I think it's one of my best choices in my life to keep those, uh, the virtual presence and the, the real life uh, persona different. In the beginning, I thought that was, that was hindering me. That was because uh, I could not go to conferences. I could not be, have my, my face <laughs> in, in the interviews. You can go. Um, you just can't talk. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I might have gone already. But there I, you I, go. Hey, I like that. I like that. I'm, I'm there already. Yeah. I don't think I will be go public uh, ever. I think it's more probable that I will go dark one day. Well, one of the things I'm, I'm really struggling with right now, I said it in the podcast as well, I have my online, my, my own chain indicators. So they, they are from data of my own node. You can, you can get the blocks, get the transactions. You can see when the latest transactions were, if it's from big addresses, small addresses. You can see all sorts of stuff and you can cluster. You can see what kind of transactions are taking place. You know, the other thing is I don't ask money for anything. Mm-hmm. the tweets or the articles or interviews, whatever. I do it because I like it and I earn my money with investing. I'm an investor, right? The money works for me. And so there's a bit of a dilemma about, for example, the floor indicator that's very successful at the moment, nailing the 47 and 43 and maybe the 63K uh, this month. And the, uh, and the on-chain uh, stuff that people are asking about, how do you calculate it? And can I find it on Glassnode? And no, you can't. But that's the stuff that I earn my money with. So that's proprietary. That's that sort of, I don't want to disclose that. I, I have three kinds of models, right? As you know, right? The, the stock to flow model, which is fundamental, which is more like a very rough thing that says scarce assets, scarce stores of value that are recognized as stores of value are worth more than less scarce assets. Yeah, it's very logical. It's everybody knows that. And it's sort of quantifying that very, very roughly. I published that. The on, on-chain stuff is, wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a unique thing for Bitcoin to have that data av- available and crunching the 400 gigs of data is, is not an easy task. So it's very interesting thing to do. And, and you find stuff, you find stuff, but, but that's great for tops and bottoms, in my opinion. And then the, the floor model is the, the third model that I use. And I talk about it in, in a bit, but together with those three models, I can sort of triangulate the market. Right? It's not like, oh, stock to flow says this. No, stock to flow and on chain and floor model, they all say the same thing. And that gives me extra confidence, if you will. Opening up about the on chain stuff and, and the floor model that brings me in a, a difficult position because that I, I open up the trade secrets I, and that impacts my, my earnings. Right. And since I don't have a newsletter or, or anything else that makes me any money anymore. So, so that's, that's a bit of a problem. But the floor model, not on chain. It's not stock to flow. It's pure price. Uh, so it's a sort of technical analysis thing, you could say. It's price, but it's a mathematical thing. It's capturing a classical error, mathematical error, that it's not Bitcoin related at all. It's, I won't disclose it right now. 
Well, it's but, just but, interesting but, that you have a that you have a model. I know that you're posting charts as to what that that floor price is. I'm curious what what it is right now because I don't know exactly, and and I can't tell you exactly what it is. But it's a it's a mathematical thing. It's just another way of looking at the same price data that everybody is looking at. We all know the moving averages, the RSIs, the well, all the technical indicators, but they all make, in my view, a classical mathematical error that is typical to the sort of price data that Bitcoin is. The distribution of Bitcoin prices is not normal. It's uh, following a power law. So you, you, would like to, you would like to have other kinds of metrics than the standard metrics. And, and it's making use of that error, if you will. The whole world is looking at the standard technical analysis tool set to an asset. So you, they're using that standard technical analysis tool set to look at an asset that is not standard and not normal at all, but more following a power law. Yeah, you, you would have to look at things like fractal dimensions or Hearst components or just mentioning a few, a few things. My generic floor model, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which isn't fancy at all, but sometimes the, the simplicity works, right? It's just the 200-week oh. moving average. Yeah, right? it's never penetrated yeah, yeah. the 200 week moving average. And what I also find interesting about that, it's a month shy of four years. And yeah. so if you're dealing with a four year cycle, it's kind of interesting that you've never had the price come down and penetrate the, that uh, yeah. moving average. Yeah. And it always goes up. And, and, and it down. always goes up <laughs> since yeah, inception. Yeah. Before I had the floor, the, the floor model is the next generation 200 weeks moving average. Before I had the floor model, I had the 200 weeks moving average, exactly yeah, for yeah, the yeah. reason that, that you mentioned. It's, it's flawless, but it's, it's, of course, very simple, very, very rude and, uh, or rough. <laughs> it gets the job done. <laughs> it gets the job done, but it, it can be done much more eloquently and much more tightly because it's not very tight, right? It's no, very, yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the time, it's nowhere close to it. The floor model, is, it's also very simple. If you see it, you would laugh at it. But it works yeah. beautifully. It's yeah. it's almost like the stock to flow model. But yeah, so let's see if it, if it hits the sixty three, and then uh, God knows what happens. Because I see that every <laughs> time I hit one of those marks, I get like fifty thousand followers in a day. <laughs> Keep crushing it, man! Love having you on the show. Love these conversations. You've got a website, Plan BTC, where everything's curated as far and that's the that's the right domain, correct? Plan BTC. Absolutely. Yeah. And if people want to see your past interviews, they want to see some of your writings on Stock the Flow or anything else that you've published, it's all on, on there. It's curated on there. What else do you have? Do you have any other handoffs for people? Maybe the whole banning of YouTube thing make me aware that, that I need other channels of communication in case of emergency, right? If, mm -hmm. if I'm canceled, if the 100 trillion US dollar account on Twitter is, is deleted with the push of a button, then I need to be able to communicate uh, to you. And, and of course, Preston, we, we know each other and I have my, my other friends in the, with direct lines that could, that could communicate my new handle. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I've been, been uh, thinking about that. And the planbtc.com website, of course, can be very useful in such an uh, emergency event. As most of you have seen, I also introduced the other account, the 100 trillion euro account on Twitter. That's Louise at 100 trillion euro. So, Louise is my COO. She's managing all the uh, business lines that are uh, under the, the Plan B brand and helps me with planning and managing all that stuff. So she'll be functional as well as being the backup channel 
in communicating in case of emergency, in case, well, something I said, maybe today, Preston, in, in your podcast, <laughs> causes somebody to push the button and cancel me. What was my response when you reached out to me and said, hey, Pomp just got canceled on YouTube. Are you sure you want to do the interview with me? What was my response? <laughs> Hell yeah, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, please cancel me. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Dude, always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Pleasure is mine. Thanks, Preston. If you guys enjoyed this conversation, be sure to follow the show on whatever podcast application you use. Just search for We Study Billionaires. The Bitcoin-specific shows come out every Wednesday, and I'd love to have you as a regular listener. If you enjoyed the show or you learned something new or you found it valuable, if you can leave a review, we would really appreciate that. And it's something that helps others find the interview in the search algorithm. So anything you can do to help out with a review, we would just greatly appreciate. And with that, thanks for listening and I'll catch you again next week. Thank you for listening to TIP. To access our show notes, courses, or forums, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.